Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you very much for once again giving me just a bit of your time this week to discuss this very important topic of content communication in government. Now, listen, I've got a great guest in the studio with me, but before I come to introduce her, the definition. As we do each week, we start the program with the definition of what content communication is. So content communication is a strategic, measurable and accountable business process that relies on the creation, curation and distribution of useful, relevant and consistent content. The purpose is to engage and inform a specific audience in order to achieve a desired citizen and or stakeholder action. So there you go. That's the definition. And I know that we labor it a bit and we keep talking about it, but we are a long way away from people understanding this benefit and this gift of content communication for governments. So to my guest today, Leanne Joyce is the boss of Leanne Joyce Consulting. Um, She's a very experienced government public sector communicator, been in the game for more than 25 years, working in corporate as well. She's worked as a consultant in all sorts of different areas from government affairs, policy and advocacy, media and issues management, stakeholder relations, executive management, you name it, and she has done it. She's worked for the Digital Industry Group, the Brisbane Airport Corporation, the Department of Health, where she did a review, um, the Hub, Australian Primary Principles Association, and also worked on a very important and interesting piece of work with the Department of Finance, which is around the functional review around communications. But also, she's the past president of the International Association of Business Communicators in Canberra, known to many of you as IABC, and also the immediate past chair of the IABC in the Asia-Pacific and she was nominated and awarded as the regional leader in 2016. So Leanne Joyce, welcome and congratulations on that important award. Thank you very much, David. It's fantastic. It was. IABC, you've made such a great contribution to it. And let's just talk about it because I've been with IABC now for God knows how many years. I I can't remember. Well, you were one of the founders, remember, of the Canberra chapter. I was one of the founders of the Canberra chapter and probably involved – in the IABC probably even before then, you know, because it goes back, because it was always the place where you could go and get the knowledge, you know, as we were sort of stumbling around in the dark trying to understand it. It was a great place to understand about employee communication, um, strategic communication, and a wonderful community that's grown up around it. Uh, But from your point of view, what benefit do you see that IABC can bring people who are involved? Well, I I think it's going to be different for different people, Mm. but IABC does offer uh, some great events, particularly their World Conference, and I'll just remind people it's on in Washington in June this year and should be particularly interesting in the US this year. So they have a fantastic World Conference. 
but they have great networks across all the chapters around the world. And I forget how many chapters there are, but there's at least 11 just in the Asia-Pacific. Right. And so, uh, but there's a great community of interest. And I think apart from the knowledge that you acquire from their, their, their magazines and their webinars and that sort of activity, I find it just a terrific network of people. And yeah. I can pick up the phone to anyone in the world and say, hey, how did you approach this issue or, you know, what do you suggest about this or that? Yeah. And so I thrive on that network and I've always made great friends and had a terrific time, I might add, going but it to it, But it's also pretty reasonably priced too, isn't it? I know most years when the circular comes around, it's like, yeah, 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 I, you know, you don't even, I don't even question it because I I get so much value out of being involved. That's good to hear. No, it's, look, it's about US 300, a bit over it's US cheap. 300 a year. Cheap. Plus there's a 10% discount in March. I okay. might throw that in for you as well. <laughs> okay. And now listen, what about that Washington, what does it cost me to go to that Washington conference? Because I know a lot of people listening um, to this particular podcast, they're involved in government communication and it's a, I've not yet been to a world conference and I look forward to going one year. Uh, but what would it set me back if I was to go... It's about 1800 US for registration. Righto. So, so you've and got then to get you've got your airfares on top, you know. Okay. So look at look at an easy 5000 to get there and back. From Australia? From Australia yeah. and back. But and we have quite a, a big audience in Washington, so it's not going to cost them 5000 bucks. No, no. And look, it works out pretty well, I think. Plus, I mean, you get to the conference, you meet heaps of people. There's so many side events, masterclasses, board meetings, gatherings of people from different interest groups, whether you're from a region or a particular function. So you can make the most of that opportunity, not just to go to the conference sessions, but to do all the side things as well. Now, it's it's at different times in the past, it's had sort of a bit of a rocky sort of administration around it, hasn't it? Sometimes it's sort of been strong and then other times oh, not yeah. so strong. Yeah. How, how is it at the moment? Look, it's pretty good. It's um, like many associations and they've done research on this, millennials particularly and others don't connect as much with associations anymore. Oh, so yeah. I think their, their membership dropped from 14,000 to 10. Dirty millennials, hey? Yeah, it's millennials. <laughs> uh, it dropped from 14,000 to about 10 Actually, at I'm one a point. baby boomer. I'm a baby boomer. I know. I'm scared to say I am as well. But you gave that away when you t- said how long I've been in this game. Um, but look, there, I think there's about 12,000 members at the moment. And yeah. believe it or not, David, uh, Australia is one of the strongest oh, that's good. groupings. And the Asia Pacific is also very strong. Uh, they see it as an emerging market in their eyes, but we see it as a great way of unifying passionate people who want yeah. to get together and share information. Yeah, and I know you do a great job here or the local team here yeah. in Canberra do a great job. We get to go to lunches where generally at the National Press Club here in Canberra where interesting people come to town, share their stories, you sit around the table, you have a bit of a chat and, you know, it doesn't take much, generally pretty cheap to go to. So so really there's no excuse. If you're in communication, you really should be a, a member of the IABC only for not only for the benefit that it gives you, but for the contribution that you can make. Because increasingly, we need more people to be making a contribution. And what I'd like to see across government is more corporate members. See, we've got some really big corporate members in Canberra with Department of Immigration and Health and Department of Communications and others, and they're part of our group. What I'd like to see is them coming along to things, but also what we try and do is bring experts or so in-house. Yeah. So that suits people who do find it hard to get yeah. out during the day to go yeah. to things. So when we can, 
we'll go to a location and bring a visiting expert or such like so that they can make the most of it and bring their executives along as well so that they can also hear the latest in communication yeah. trends. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a, that's a real value add, isn't it, for the corporate We're members. trying to make it as valuable as possible by yeah. joining. Yes, that's right. Okay, so that's fantastic. So join up there. Come on, you millennials, you, <laughs> you layabouts, you dirty no good for nothing. Come on, get involved. No one will bite you, associations, because there's some and real value fun. there. It's fun, really. It's fun, yes. Yeah, there's really nice people involved. So there's people like us, you know. People Baby like us. Baby boomers like us, you know. <laughs> we're, we're, we're fun guys. <laughs> anyway, government communications. Um, you've been around um, – <laughs> Sorry. Um, we've both been around for quite some time. Uh, what's, what, what's, what's rolling for you at the moment? What are you seeing? How, how's, what's, what do you think? Look, and I've just come off a six-week project in a major government agency and, and quite a new area uh, in the IT area and written up a strategy. So I'm just in um, post-project detox. Good. Uh, so I've had um, quite an eyeful, but there's some great people working in government and they're doing some terrific stuff, but yeah. it's actually sometimes really hard to do things because either a lack of permission or authority or a licence to operate, if you like. Yep. Uh, and I'd love to see greater recognition for the function in providing important information. I just think there's a lot of constraints, but on the other hand, you're seeing some great activity in the digital space. You're seeing some good strategic content content marketing, David, which I'm sure you'd be pleased with. I am. I so, am. Uh, and their web work's go well, going well. I just find that, uh, you know, if if communicators, if the profession was better recognised and people had a better licence to operate, I think they could do a better job. But okay. on the other hand, they're doing pretty good. Yeah. Okay. But well, let, let's go to that because it's interesting. Um, for the last two weeks, we've had... Um, a really good, a great in-depth interview with uh, Sean Larkins from WPP yeah. who's done this very big piece of research into uh, government communication. It's the same problem all over the world that, you know, he refers to uh, government communications areas being considered as the car wash, you know. Here it is, tidy it up and clean it up and shine it up on the way out but certainly not involved as early as possible to get involved in the strategic yeah. thinking to be able to create that real value that we know um, strategic communication can. Uh, and look, that's th so that's a global problem, right? Um, and yes, it's fair enough, I suppose, that we can look at others and say, you're not recognising us, you know, boo-hoo for us. But isn't it our responsibility that we have to you know, kick the door down a little bit and say, well, listen, we can really add value here and and get in front of it to get that licence to be able to say as early as possible, yeah. let's make a contribution. So rather than feel sorry, whoa, uh, rather than feel sorry for ourselves, how is it that we could then, you know, well, what advice might you have for people who are struggling in this, you know, disempowered state to actually seize the day and, and, and get that licence? They've got to demonstrate their value. And one of the very first sessions I went to at IABC was how to get a seat at the executive table. Right. And really it's about being out there as a trusted advisor and providing sensible advice and demonstrating value in your communications programs. But if I can't get in the room, how can I demonstrate my value? Oh, look, you've got to find ways, David. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I remember learning in one organisation when we had a new CEO and he didn't want to talk to the comms people and his gatekeeper said that he can write, why does he need the comms group? 
<laughs> so I started learning when he made his coffee <laughs> in oh, the kitchen. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> and I and I started chatting to him that way and we built up the relationship. And you know, so you can go through the formal pathways, but you can also got to build that rapport with the senior executive. And that's your personal skills as well and your personal brand. Yeah, it's interesting. Sean Larkin's told the story and regular listeners would have heard it, but uh, a comms team in a particular government agency didn't say who they were, but they took upon the role of chuggers, you know, the charity people who knock you over uh. in the street to try to, they did that inside <laughs> their organisation as comms people. And they were bowling up to, they knew exactly who they were targeting at different points of the day, just forcing themselves into the space to be able to demonstrate to people, hey, here we are, this is what we do, this is the value. But really, isn't it all about at the end of the day being able to demonstrate how the communication activity is solving business problems or adding value that you really do need to connect yourself to the objective? I think you're absolutely right and that's one thing we as communicators have to keep strongly in mind. We've got to also always line up with those business goals and show how we're doing that and that can happen in a lot of ways uh, from whether you're managing an issue or a crisis really well so that it doesn't have an impact on government. Once when I was with a corporate, we managed a, a particular issue with uh, a minister very well and it saved the company $30 million a year in regulation, in unnecessarily regulation. So that was a clear demonstration. Uh, within government, I think the CEO, that particular CEO I worked with was started being very happy with us because we had a great relationship with the minister's office and it was fraught at the time. Yeah. So we demonstrated our value to the minister's office. That took a headache away from him and he was able to let us do that properly and yep. he started to trust us. Now, that, that that nexus is obviously critical in any government anywhere in the world, that, that connection between um, the bureaucratic element of government and, and the political arm. Uh, what are your best tips for people in terms of building relationships with people at that political level? Because ultimately that's where the decisions, are, well, the, the direction is, is being set. It is. And, well, going, just going back to that situation too, I actually drafted a media protocol between uh, the, our government agency and the minister's office, right. which was, here's who you talk to, we'll talk to you about what's coming up. If you don't wish to use it as, spoke, as the minister's spokesperson, lose it or we will use it. Yeah, right. And so that protocol really helped. It really helped clarify roles and relationships. The media advisor and the minister was responsible for the minister and we delivered on a whole bunch of other things with their sanction. Now, if you get tied up in a lack of clarity or ministers' offices not making decisions on things, then that can be very untidy. And I tell you what, this is, could be a three-hour conversation, David, <laughs> about the relationship between, you know, the communications people in government and the ministerial level. Yeah. But that th th that's a good piece of advice, isn't it, this protocol? So did, yeah. did you do it uh, with them or did you take it to them? Did you sit down and say, look, how are we going to work this and how do we codify our relationship? Or did you go to them and say, hey, look, here's something you might want no, to consider? No, it was, it was iterative. Yeah. And it really came about because we had a slight loose cannon in the organisation who was contradicting the minister. So we had uh, a very good reason to go in there and start sorting it out. Right. But I'd also done it before and it relates to content marketing a bit because I've always run an editorial calendar. Yeah. And I used to, when I worked in New South Wales government, we had six ministers right. and I kept an editorial calendar across the portfolio. I'd go and see them and say, here's what's coming up. 
are you interested in this story or what would that look like? And so we would work through a program for the next month. Yeah. And so, it really helped both of us. Yeah. And that early warning system, yeah. no surprises, getting no in front surprises. of people, being able to make sure that they know that these are the issues and here is how this is going to add value to exactly. your policy agenda. Yeah, and they really appreciated the good story ideas coming to them from, you know, and that was our craft to develop the stories and pitch the stories to the minister's offices. Okay, so that, that that's another sort of good lead into another discussion point is this notion of how do you find good stories? Where are the good stories? And, and what are some of the best techniques that you've used in terms of being able to identify the right story that's really going to, you know, have, have impact. It's true. I mean, in the comms team, when you've got media people or those of us with a journalistic instinct, you just know what a good story is. But when you go around an organisation sometimes, you've got people beavering away on one of the best stories and you almost have to look under a rock yeah. to find it. So it really does mean you have to know your business and you have to understand your organisation and really make connections across the organisation so you can get a sense of where the really good, interesting things are going on. So this, so the advice really is get up out of your chair and go and meet people. Yeah, look, get in front of people and those face-to-face -face relationships are really important. And, um, you know, the other issue that we can talk for three hours about is whether you have a central function or a hub and spoke or yeah. people in the line areas. And the value of uh, being in front of people is being in those line areas and, and building that relationship because that's the only way you really can get information out of them and build their trust to do something, build a story around their project or yeah. what they've found. And, you know, increasingly I think we find, you know, everywhere that you work in government is that everyone's being asked to do more with less. You know, there's, no, there's not an oversupply of resources and everyone's harried and hassled and worried. And oh, God, the busyness know. factor. Yeah, well, the incredible. business factors. Again, Sean Larkin's mentioned that as well, is that that's a global phenomenon, the whole, this whole busyness um, and overcoming that and being able to sort of insert a strategic, thoughtful uh, program in the world of, you know, I'm spinning nine plates and, you know, trying to get everything done at the same time. How do you, how do you manage that prioritisation of what to do? You know, the urgent, over, you know, the important over the urgent. How, how do you manage that in such a way that uh, you can get that impact that you're looking for, given that everyone's problem is always, you know, top of mind for them? Yes, especially when there's a big ministerial issue or conflicting media priorities. But when I was leading a team, I would, if there was a conflict, I would escalate it really. And, you know, if, if we didn't, couldn't work out the priorities, and usually we could, but if there was any, any other pressures that were unwarranted, I would go and challenge them and just say, what's going on here? How can we, met, how can we manage this? How about doing it differently? Yeah. Rather than everything coming to a head at the same time and putting unnecessary pressure yeah. on people. And one of the other things that is unproductive is not having enough information to deal with in the first place or, or sort of something going on with the minister's office that is really a distraction from your day-to-day -day work. Yeah. But also impenetrable information too sometimes I find well, is that, you know, people serve you stuff up and you read it and you look at it and you think like, My, what does this mean? Yeah, I've exactly. got absolutely no idea. Yeah. And you've got to go down and sit with them and say, um, how about we go from the top here because I really don't understand what this is about. And the other interesting thing 
thing about government is some, some information is sensitive. Yeah. And so you have to be na- able to navigate uh, what can be sometimes be classified or sensitive information and what you can and can't say about something rather than just the walls closing down. Yep. Now, regular listeners will know that, you know, as we go through the content communication process, we're always talking about objectives up front and understanding what those specific, measurable, achievable, realistic and time-bound objectives are. So is it essentially the North Star of what we're trying to do. So everything that we do is driving back towards that. But one of the other, beyond research and discovery and understanding all of the variables and inputs and other things that are going to have an an effect on what you can and can't do, one of the big focuses is audience and the understanding of audience. And interestingly, again, uh, the WPP research found that most government communication doesn't really consider the audience. Uh, I suspect that's true and uh, I think people get focused on outputs. Yeah. And just so they, I've delivered that, now I can go away. Yeah. I can go home. I've worked, you know, the last 12 hours or something. I just want to get out of here. Uh, and I think that's easy to happen in, in time poor and resource poor organisations. And um, But I think it's, a, it's truly a good point. I see a lot of communications that don't go anywhere drafting up media releases or talking points that don't get used. So it really uh, does mean that you've got to be focused on the audience and, and keep asking why. Why are we doing this? What is the objective, as you say? Uh, in particular, what's the smart objective? Yeah. Even better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in terms of those, that get, how, how, how do we challenge that? How do we get people to think audience first before they're thinking about whatever it is, whatever tactical device it is that they're going to explore, how do we get people to, to after objective, then think audience? How do you, how, how do you get that prioritisation up the front? Because design thinking is now all the rage. You know, every, you can't walk into a government department in Canberra and not trip over a, you know, a design innovation hub of some sort who've got post-it notes all over the wall and, you know, we're putting the citizen at the centre of everything we do. Mm, yeah. um, it's, it's very much in vogue in, in designing services and other things, but perhaps have we not made that jump yet to communication? Oh, well, I, d- I don't think a lot of people have a strategic mindset. So you've got, to, you've got to bring that to the equation from the very start. Why are we doing this and what's this about? What does success look like? Yeah. Um, how does this fit with the other things we're doing? So I think the role, of a, especially of a leader in government comms, is to ask those questions but also have the coaching skills quite often to just ask the right questions. Yeah, that's not, a good point. Not say no, which sometimes you want to do, but now how effective would that approach be, Mr CEO, or... Why do you think we're doing that or what is the best result we could find here? So it's asking those type of coaching facilitation questions is a great skill communicators should have. Yeah, right. So rather than telling, listening and asking questions is really the way to unpick people's um, approach. Yes. So when you you get in that situation, if you can, and then offer alternatives... Yeah. Uh, not, and not just be a, a no, but try to engage in the conversation. Now, yeah. it's, it's hard sometimes when you just get a memo from the top, uh, but I'd still but challenge this that is what well. we, what This was what we want you to do. This was decreed. It was agreed in yeah. some meeting or something and you'd go, no, yeah. I don't think that's going to work. Yeah. Find a way of challenging it. I like this notion of coaching. I think this is a really, you know, mm. your talent management mm. and, again, going back to the WPP research, one of the other big um, uh, common problems is skills yes. um, in uh, comms areas mm. in government in that we're transitioning from the traditional model of media management and advertising and we're now moving 
to content-based approach where people are expected or required to produce content that they can then distribute usefully, relevantly Mm -hmm. and consistently directly to those audiences and use this great gift of technology where Uh, the factors of media production and distribution have now been democratised and everyone can do it. But what what the research is telling us is that we haven't as yet made that 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 move in, in, in a substantive way. Yes, as you said before at the beginning of it, there are examples of it, but perhaps as a profession we haven't made that leap. Would that would that tally with your views? Yes, I think so. And um, look, there's a few other issues there again through our conversations, but um, there's a there is a, a, a skill set in government, and one of those is writing. Yeah. A lot of people are talking about that they cannot find good writers. So I think there's some really fundamental skill sets. And if you talk to my friend Jason Laird at Telstra, he'll talk about agility. And most comms people in a group like Telstra have to be agile. They can't just be doing the staff newsletter every week. Yeah, right. You know, they have to be able to take the story from go to woe. Uh And that will involve using digital channels, using internal channels, talking to people, um, the whole gamut of comms. So how so are I think they... that should change, that might change okay. in government. So Telstra, to those of you um, overseas listening to this, that's our big um, telephone company here, or telecommunications, telecommunications. Kind of like AT&T or BT in the state, uh, sorry, in the UK. Uh, but how's it, how have they achieved that? How have they gone about... Through- Pretty major reform and a lot of um, a lot of discipline around what they do and how but the skills organised. But how but how have people been able to become um, agile and being able to apply themselves across you know different channels and different platforms? How they must have invested in training. They they invest very heavily in training in this particular organisation and uh, all staff are expected to be fully conversant, not just with the various channels and techniques to use but writing as well as uh, numeracy, being able to read a balance sheet, being able to understand the business and articulate the business. Yeah. And so that that was a real priority for, for Telstra from when I spoke to them and um, and things have really changed over a number of years. So what's your experience more, more broadly though? Like are they the exception rather than the rule? Well... Potentially, I'd be interested uh, to see, but uh, I've recently experienced some different government and, and people are a bit stuck in the one box and yeah. it becomes more like a factory where somebody processes one element yeah. then passes it on. Yeah. And it just gets a bit lost. There's so, no one sort of taking responsibility for end-to-end communication. Sorry, just, just to jump you back then, just back to this Telstra story, how do they then um, communicate their value? So if they've been given these resources and, and permissions, they've obviously been effective, but how have they proven to their higher-ups that they're adding value and therefore the higher-ups will continue to invest because they know that there's return to, um, you know, the bottom line? Oh, well, I was in Telstra as well quite some time ago now, but even then we had quite strict... (laughs) (laughs) Back in the old days. But even then uh, we had very strict metrics on reputation. We used to measure the company's Mm -hmm. reputation. We used to have very active stakeholder engagement programs and that's when I first cut my teeth on some of that stuff actually. Uh, We also used to report in on, on media issues, not just issues in the papers but issues managed out. Yeah. Uh, and so I think the executive got a great understanding of, of the role of communications then and now some of the senior people are very high up and very well placed with the CEO and their executive. Yeah. My, because it, they deliver the data yeah. and the measurement. There's, the, the, there's no doubt in my mind that that is the gateway 
to credibility. Yeah. You've got to get the executive hooked on the numbers. You've got to get them early and you've got to get them uh, signed up to a benchmark of sorts and then with ever, wherever your reporting frequency is, get them to that point where they they want to see the numbers, you know, they want to see the mm-hmm. the improvement. They well, they want to see, you know, how have we gone? And then even with different departments, when you can start to get them competing against each other where they're going, oh, you know, my satisfaction level's <laughs> yes. up and your level's a little bit down, you know. I don't know if you ever saw that film, Glen Gary, Glen Ross, but it's a fantastic film and they talk about the leads. It's about real estate but Jack Lemmon. Oh, I've heard of it. It's a great movie, everyone. You should um, get it out and have a look at it but it's – it is, it's almost shot in one – it's one shot almost. Oh, okay. And Ed Harris is in it and Alec Baldwin's in it, Jack Lemmon's in it. And anyway, it's about these real estate guys and they want the leads, you know. Oh, and it's okay. sort of – you've got to get that mentality as in we want the numbers. So I think that's something that I'm seeing increasingly that with, as comms people that we've got to set benchmarks early. We've got to know where we're starting from prior to intervening with our programs yeah. and we need to be able to go back – and have validated, in uh, authentic um, numbers, so that we can prove. So well, we it's can, interesting we can how, how those metrics that you might use in a corporate might apply in government. Yeah. Whereas I think at the moment the metrics are really a little bit different. Um, in, measures of success, like campaigns, are measurable. Yeah. But a lot of the day-to-day comms you can measure through digital means. Yes. But from a CEO's mind, what would be the most valuable to them? Yes. And, and again, a lot of government comms is internal comms yes. and, you know, getting, you know, making sure yes. that, you know, the investment that they're making, the large investment they're making yeah. in people and I think there's yeah. some value in measuring, you know, attitude. I wish they internally. would and I wish that function would be a bit more recognised uh, within <laughs> government. So they're even, wor- they're, they're even more poorly thought of than the, the uh, external I, comms look, people. Look, to be honest, I think that might be true. <laughs> Um, sorry about that. There's a little self-help group somewhere <laughs> sitting around. There should be. The internal communicators. Yeah. Well, I think that's actually one of, just going back to the original um, part of the uh, the interview where we are talking about the IABC, I think yes. that's one of the real strengths of IABC is the yes. information that they... Oh, there's some great you know, material. Some great there. stuff there about I, I refer comps. to their material a lot. Yeah, and yeah. I have to say I do re- refer to the UK government service a lot too because they've produced some great guidance yes. and uh, techniques. The Engage for Success movement in the UK is yeah, that's a great, great source of yeah. uh, guidance for anyone working in employee comms. Engage for Success. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah, a they've done. I'd see again. You know, my uh, you know uh, my good friend Alex Aitken. You know, yes. he's been on the show a couple of times. Um, uh, done some wonderful stuff there. You know, and in terms of that recognition as a profession and uh, the ongoing professional development and, you know, the OASIS, yeah. you know, the strategic thinking yeah. that they in, in, impose. Um, so, yes, I, I do wrap them up all the time uh, and I have had complaints from people saying, oh, you're such a, you know, you you, you carry on. But I, I just think they do a great job. I, I you think know, they so, do. So I think they're too. doing great. Yeah. But, look, it's I've got to say I'm really optimistic. I, I think, um, uh, you know, we're coming into our... Our time. I, I think our time is coming because yeah. we are. I think we're getting better at yeah. showing our value, yeah. uh, demonstrating our value, measuring our value, and I think we do have to sort of keep moving forward with this. And as technology fundamentally changes everything, um, and everyone continues to uh, carry a device, uh, high-powered 
communications device, a computer mm-hmm. in, in their pocket. That, so that ability to get to people is there. It's this sense of storytelling and content yeah. and usefulness and relevance and consistency yeah. and, and, and turning up and turning up and turning up. And I think this is the you know, this content revolution that's taking place. I think it's really going to underpin this next drive where comms will go from a, a car wash yeah. or a colouring in department, as or I like Dickensian to call it. Factory. <laughs> yeah. To a you know, to a central strategic function yeah. that is driving policy development. Yes. You know, look at the role of content that can play in developing better policy at an earlier stage. But that's a conversation for another time. Oh, I hope so, A three-hour conversation for another time. That's the other three-hour conversation. If those millennials will stick around and listen (laughs) to it. They've probably all jumped off already anyway. Half an hour they can't listen to that. (laughs) So, listen, thanks very much for coming in. Oh, it was a pleasure. Um, And and good luck with... all the stuff you're doing. There's obviously uh, lots of work around in government communication and uh, and obviously IABC stuff. You're sort of you're, you're sort of immediate past sort of everything at the moment, aren't you? You're I know, sort of... immediate past, past this, past that, and I, the workload feels the same actually. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, good luck with that as well. And and look, please, if you're out there for three hundred bucks, come on, it come is on, really, really a valuable. Uh, resource. Uh, there is so much there. There are so many people we can learn from, uh, so many people we can ask questions. And again, get, you know, get yourself to Washington. That sounds like an enormous fun. I go to Content Marketing World in yes. September in Cleveland. So um, I don't think my wife would would be that understanding of being able but to But Singapore is closer, David, because yes. we've got a regional conference no, at well, the end I've, of no, August. I've, I've put my hand up for that you to, have? To, to, to make a presentation up there. So let's, let's hope, fingers crossed, I'm, I'm successful in getting that up. So I'd, I'd love to get up to um, um, Singapore and, and talk about our research project, which I'll come back in another couple of weeks, guys, to talk to you about how that's progressing with our good friends at the Australian National University. And I am so excited. We, we had a presentation... Uh, two weeks ago from our researchers around the method, you know, the evidence-based method for content communication, this global standard that we're seeking to create. Um, I think we're onto something. So anyway, really Sounds excited. Great, it is. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. So listen, thanks for coming in. Um, really appreciate it. And thanks to you, audience, as always. I really do appreciate that you give us up a bit of time each week. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I'm um, I generally don't ask for reviews and other things like that. Um, we don't have many, but maybe you could go and give us a review this week uh, because it helps basically for people to get uh, to discover this, people who are interested in government communication. So anyway, uh, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks to Leanne. Uh, thanks to you for listening. And I will be back at the same time next week. So bye for now. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.